Up World. It's your past first point guard and trailblazer reporter, Mike Richmond. You're listening to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts and now also on YouTube. If you're listening to my voice, go subscribe to the YouTube channel. Also, thanks for making the show your first listen every day. It's free wherever you get podcasts and also on YouTube five days a week, the only Daily Trailblazers podcast. Every single weekday, you can stay up on what's happening with the Trailblazers, so make it part of daily routine. If it's your first listen, and if it's not your first listen every day, make it your first listen every day. Today's episode is a mailbag episode, like we do each week, answering listener submitted questions all episode long. If you want to get involved in a future mailbag episode, there are two ways to do it. Tweet at me at Mike G. Rich. Uh, just send me a tweet and everything. And if it helps if you indicate that it's a mailbag question or watch my Twitter feed on the day of the show, uh, kind of bounce around to be quite honest. But if you just check my Twitter feed, um, I'll send out a tweet soliciting questions day of the show. And if you respond to that tweet, I'll get you in the show or I'll get you in a future show. If you're not a Twitter user or someone who doesn't tweet, you can email me lockedonblazerpod at gmail.com. That is lockedonblazerpod at gmail.com is the address. That's the two ways to do it. Like I said, we do this every week. It's a ton of fun. And neither rain, nor snow, nor heat, nor gloom of night stays mailbag from your ears. So let's get into it. The first question comes from a whole bunch of folks. Listener Nathan, listener BlazersRose47, at BlazersRose47 on Twitter. Listener SkyHookLine and Sinker, at Skyhook underscore NBA on Twitter. And Zach, at ZachBackpacks on Twitter, all asks some version of the same question. And quite frankly, I think this is the biggest question facing the Blazers right now. This question is is the wording from Skyhook Line and Sinker, but it, and it reads: Now that we seem we that's a collective pronoun seem to have four legitimate combo guards on the team, what combination of two do you think could form the most productive tandem? Other questions involved like which of the which are the most productive tandem? Who do you trade? What would a trade package look like? So let's just kind of talk through the Blazers situation. Um, this has been the case for since the beginning of the season, and it's only gotten more real as the season has gone on. The Blazers' four best offensive players are four six foot three guards: um, Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum, Norman Powell, and Amphrey Simons. And and last year the three guard group looked pretty good through the regular season. The last twenty five games of the regular season, that was an elite offense, and it really worked. Um, for whatever reason, and a, and a large part of that whatever reason is that Damian Lillard wasn't healthy and wasn't himself. That that starting group of of the trio of Dame, Norm, and CJ just didn't work. Um, it didn't work, and it's, and it's and certainly doesn't work with the sort of style I think that Chauncey Billups wants to play on defense. His style needs more length. It needs more sort of defensive acumen and and, um, and want to on most nights um if you have a bunch of offense first guys and norman powell is like being asked to be the blazers sort of like big defensive guy but his skill is being an offense first guy like he would be best utilized as that and and the other three are just straight up offensive first players um it's you just you're going to have limitations and this year it, it caught up with the blazers that that group and that 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 quartet is is untenable moving forward so i think they've reached a point where they can only bring two back like Next year, you know, maybe the the sort of the trade market and all that forces them to bring three back. Hell, it could force them to bring all four back, I guess. It seems unlikely, but um, but I think you, you've really got to a point where you could only bring two back. Um, the franchise is not going to trade Damian Lillard. That's not on the table. He doesn't want to leave. They don't want to trade him. That's not going to happen. So really, um, we will talk about that more in a moment. But uh, so really, you're choosing Ant, Norm, CJ. And you got to basically keep one. I think the I think it would be 
I don't know if malpractice is the right word, but it would be bizarre for the Blazers to go come back next season with Dame and CJ both on the roster. Just truly bizarre. Um, for after all this and the, the sort of all the changes this team has gone through, um, some mostly forced and some by choice, or I guess the will be by choice of the trade deadline, to have CJ come back. I don't know if he gets traded in February, but it would be weird if he's back here in the fall just because um, how can you continue this experiment, right? Like it just, we, you kind of know what it's going to be. If they know what it's going to be and they're cool with being the fifth or seventh best team in the West, I mean, fine by me, but like it is what it is. Like that's, you're kind of admitting your ceiling, I think. So, I think you got to you got to try to move CJ and, and and make an upgrade there. Not an easy thing to do. He makes thirty million dollars. He's going to make over thirty million for each of the next two seasons. Um, thirty million dollars annually, and he'll make he'll make that each of the next two seasons. Um, after this one, still two and like sixty five million bucks, sixty six million bucks on his contract. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. Um, he probably isn't you know, um, quote unquote, good enough for that kind of money. But, you know, they, they gave him the money. It is what it is. Um, that's how much he'll be being, he's going to get paid. So um, the question is, what can you get for CJ McCollum? I think you have to trade him and explore that. Then I think you should, the, the most pertinent move would be to explore a Norman Powell trade because he's a veteran. He's got four years left on his deal. That's a lot of Norman Powell, but he's pretty good. And the deal isn't crazy unpalatable. He's being paid like a starting player in the league. And Norman Powell is productive enough to be a starting player in the league. Maybe you could argue that his age 32, the final season in his contract isn't a great deal, but um, you know, teams that are going to trade for a veteran, the Norm's age are going to want him to be good next year and good the year after. And he's certainly going to deliver that. He's been the Blazers most consistent offensive player this season. So I think if I, so, you know, by process of elimination, the person that I would choose to keep is Anthony Simons out of this group because I think his upside is the highest. And I think his, um, I think, you know, he, he has the chance to be the best of those three basketball players. Anthony Simons, if he ends up having a career as good as CJ McCollum, he had a very good NBA career. Don't get it twisted. Um, he isn't as good as CJ yet, and he certainly hasn't been as productive for as close to as long. And when CJ had his breakout year, he was just straight up better than Ant is right now. Do not get it twisted. That is all true. But Ant is 22. He's shown some real growth in January. Um, you know, we're you know three weeks into the super breakout, and he's averaging you know 26 and six. Like he's he looks really good. Um, he's he's on his way. Like he could be a really special player. The problem is, and where you get back to is that the Damon Ant pairing isn't better than the Damon CJ pairing. In fact, it's nearly identical than the Damon CJ pairing. So the best sort of pairing would be probably to keep Norm, right? So it's, Norm is probably a better fit as a two next to Dame because he's a little more uh, defensively inclined. His ceiling, significantly lower than Ant. And I am a talent guy. I would say always keep the talent So um, and figure out the fit later. Admitting that the fit is bad and the fit is almost identical to the last decade of Blazers basketball. Seven years of Blazer basketball. Like, um, it would be a strange place to land Dame and Ant after seven seasons of Dame and CJ. Certainly would be a bizarre spot to land. So... I think what this all illustrates is that whoever they trade for, whoever they exchange for Norman Powell, whoever they might exchange for CJ McCollum, it becomes, it becomes incredibly important that those are big defensive wings or, or you know, forwards, guys who are 6'6 six, six to 6'10, six, can defend, um, can handle a little bit and can shoot because you're going to really have to complement the smaller guard pairing, whoever it might be, um, with... Uh, with better defense not that i think ant or norm or even cj to some extent but cj certainly smaller and less physical than um norm uh 
you know, it's not like Ant is way too small to play shooting guard. He's just not a very good defensive player. So you have to complement him with better defensive pairings. It's it's tough. I think you choose Dame and Ant because those are your two best players and you move forward. But I think, like, it's a challenge. It's, there is, the way that Neil Olshay left this roster, it's messy and there's no clean way out. So whoever you end up trading CJ for, whoever you end up trading Norm for, has to complement what is going to be left behind. And that is quite a challenge because those are big money contracts and veterans. And it's, um, it's you just have to, you really have to hit on both of those trades. And I don't know that, that those are necessarily super easy things to do. Uh, and combining them together is like 50 million bucks. And that's, that's a tough, that's a lot of money to trade out um, to a, to make it happen. So you're 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 getting into a very large trade for the for the fifty million dollar uh, portion of the program. So if it's da- it's keep Damon Ant. It brings up another question. This was asked by Greg H and Mickey. Mickey asks Ant and CJ look great together today on the court and seem to gel pretty well. Is there a world where we build around Ant and CJ and trade Damon and, and Greg? Um, this is Greg H. Um, we got two Gregs in this episode. This is Greg H. Um, kind of just pitched like maybe the Blazers should trade Damon. Maybe it's time. And I, I, I don't want to spend too much time on this because there's an episode waiting in your feed. Nate Duncan was on the ep- was on the show. Uh, we recorded it last Saturday. Posted in the feed last Sunday. So um, that's it was Monday show, the first show of this week. It's his name's in the title. You can find it. Go look in your feed. Go look on YouTube. We talked all about this sort of. He's in favor of trading Dame now. I'm maybe a little bit hesitant to do it, but there's there's a case to be made for it because the Blazers' path to being a championship-level team with Damon Lord on the roster is very challenging, as we just laid out. Like, it's really challenging when when these are your best parts and you got to move forward. And if you trade Dame, you can kind of have a full reset. You can get this, you, you know, a boatload of picks and some players and maybe reset. But, and I want to say this as a big capital B but, like, I'm, I, this, this makes me nervous, it's the teardowns are are rarely from like you know trading when you trade a player as good as Dame you are looking to get back a player as good as Dame in the future. Do I project Amphrey Simons to be one of the ten best players in the league? I do not. I absolutely do not. That's not a knock on Amphrey Simons. It's just that there aren't a lot of those dudes. In fact, I think that the the top fifteen players in the league are are pretty. There's a pretty wide margin between from those top fifteen to the next like forty. And then from the next 40 to the like next literally 500 anywhere on the globe playing in Europe and everywhere else, extremely flat. But those first like 65 spots are pretty competitive. There's a huge gap between 15 and then the next 40. And then there's a smaller but pretty big gap between from from those 40 to the next huge number of folks. And those are all your role players. I think you just are always trying to get one of those top 15 guys. The Blazers have him. He was that good last year. Um, I think you can kind of talk yourself into him being that good again next season when he's healthy. Um, I think you go for it as long as you have that type of player and then figure it out from there. But admittedly, you trade Dame, you could get a huge package, you could start You could start over. I, I don't project Ants and Nas and, and the others to sort of be, th- be that, to grow into that. Could you build a pretty competitive team with Amphrey Simons as your best player and some picks and all those things? Yeah, I think you could get back to like 7th or 8th, but I think you could just roll forward and be 7th or 8th with Dame and Ant on the roster and kind of rebuild from the middle. Um, it's just, it's no guarantee. I don't think a team that has truly torn it down to the studs has got back to sort of championship equity other than um, other than the Philadelphia 76ers. Every other team has taken some... I mean, the the Warriors, I guess, are your example, and you 
you've got to hit those picks. You got to draft a Hall of Famer in at uh, at nine. You got to draft a Hall of Famer in the next draft at ten. You got to draft the third Hall of Famer in the second round after that. Um, it's it's and then those people have to commit to the team for long term. Like it's there's just there's not a lot of easy paths forward. I'm not in favor of the teardown now because I think you can end up wandering in the desert for a very long time. And I'm comfortable with saying let's have the Blazers wander in the desert in a couple in a couple years. But I think there is a pragmatic discussion to be had about trading Dame now. Several listeners have proposed it. And and, and go check out the show with Nate Duncan because I think he laid out kind of his reasoning why. And I think many of you who are in favor of it would probably find some find some of the logic that uh, Nate shared to be I don't know, it's comforting the right word, but at least like you you could follow his line of thinking. All right, let's come back in the special delivery mailbag episode and answer more of your questions. But first Let's talk about betonline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. The Blazers have about 40 games left in their season, a little, little less than that, 39 games left in their season, 38 games left in the season. You can bet on all of them at betonline.ag. You can bet pregame on the money line or the spread. You can bet live in-game on quarter scores, on in-game props, on uh, on over-unders and, and lives, lives odds as the game start. You can get all of your Trailblazers action right there on betonline.ag or any other sport you could imagine. And if you go right now to their website on your mobile device or your desktop and use the promo code LOCKEDON, when you're making your first deposit, you'll get a 50% welcome bonus. So go have a little fun and take advantage of this offer. That's BetOnline, where the game starts. All right. Let's keep it rolling on this glorious special delivery mailbag. This next question comes from Greg K. and Dr. J. Both of them ask the same type of question. We're just going to combine them into one. The question reads as follows. This is Dr. J's words, but Greg K. asks a similar question. I know Ant is better than Nas right now, but given the depth we have at guard, if you had to give one of the two youngsters away, who is more valuable to this team's immediate future, Nas or Ant? Uh, I think those are different questions. Um... More valuable to the team's immediate future is Anthony Simons. He's a better basketball player. Um, you just, you need you need his scoring. You need his offense. He's really freaking good. Um, his ceiling is higher than Nazir Little's right now. Um, he's he's better than Nas, and he, I project him to be better than Nas moving forward. I project him to be just like have, be a better basketball player than Nazir Little. Um, I project them both to be probably NBA starters. Just um, Ant could be a guy who like flirts with multiple All Star games because he's he could really friggin' score and scoring is the most valuable skill in the league. And he's developing some playmaking skills, et cetera, et cetera. Like he has the Anthony Simons has the star skill set. Will he become like a long term multi time All Star? Probably not, right? Like it's always safe to bet against guys making All Star teams. It's very hard to do that, um, but. He could be a star in this league. He's more valuable to the short term and to the near term. However, as we just laid out in the first segment, the Blazers have a glut of guards, and perhaps the path forward is to trade the guard with the highest upside who will get you back the the, sort of the biggest fish in return. Maybe it makes more sense to trade Ant because Nas fits the plan. Like, he's only 6'5", but he's got long arms and he rebounds like a power forward. Um... If he can, if he can get his shot right, his his rebounding ability and just his freak athleticism and his his motor make him a really nice fit moving forward as a three or an undersized four. Um, I think he's mostly a small forward now, but he can definitely play four. I used to kind of think of him as only as a four, but now he has a little bit of off the dribble juice, and now I, I think he's a three. So, I think, like 
it might make more sense to keep Nas, but that means that Ant has more value both as an as a tradable part, as I believe my my friend Chuck called it called it equity to improve the team. As he's got a little more equity to improve the team, um, and and perhaps that his you know lack of fit next to the team star player or wonky somewhat wonky fit next to this team star player makes you think twice about how you do that next question comes from scott at scott ptb30 who asks what level of player would you need in return to include anthony simons in a deal see how that works out um would it be jeremy grant miles turner jalen brown ben simmons or theo pinson theo pinson's gonna be hard to come by i don't know if you're gonna know if you're gonna squirrel theo pinson out of there theo pinson and reggie bullock are teammates on the dallas mavericks go tar heels um (laughs) <laughs> two all-timers Theo Pinson though national champion uh yeah Jeremy Grant I probably wouldn't trade Anthony Simons for Miles Turner I would not trade uh Anthony Simons for Jalen Brown I would Ben Simmons I would depending on the pick haul but if it's just like an ant as ant and CJ yes I'm doing that I'm doing it sorry um Jalen Brown in a heartbeat I, I do not even think about it like you're projecting ant at his for me like at his peak something like, you know, something as good as Jalen Brown, like a, a dude under 25 who's made an all-star team. That's, but Brown is 6'6". He can really defend. He can score. Um, he's like the exact type of wing everyone's after. G- give me a, give me a kajillion Jalen Browns. Um, and if Amphrey Simons nets you someone as good as, as Jalen Brown, that's a hell of a deal. Next question comes from Tyler Cornwall at Tyler Cornwall 31, who asks, Nas has had a really nice year as a starter this year. That's gone a little under the radar because of Ant playing the way he has. What skill or skills would Nas need to improve to feel comfortable as a full-time starter next season? Um, this is shooting. Shooting is the number one thing he has to improve. Um, if he can be a league average shooter, and the league average this year is, is dropped below, to, is dropped down to like 35%. But so I'm saying like if Nas is like a 36 plus percent shooter, is above average shooter on the wing. Last year was like 37% was league average. So let's 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 just split the difference. If it's 36%, um, then Nas is a really really good offensive player. If he's down below where he is now, um, which is in the 31 32 range, it's he's just he's not as dangerous as he could be because if he can shoot people are going to close out on him. If they, can close, if they close out on him, he can attack closeouts. If he can attack closeouts, he can get to the rim, he can get fouled, he can make plays for others. Like, he's really dangerous. He's a great straight-line athlete. Great. Not, to, to quote Jay Billets, not good, great. Like, if he gets a straight line to the rim, like a full window to the rim, he is going to punish you um, and, and perhaps, um, like, put you on a highlight reel. Um, so the shooting opens up that skill. Um, you know, the next steps for Nas are being a better team defender and a ball handler, but the shooting is, you know, offense is way more valuable than defense in the NBA, just the way it is. And if Nas were to improve as a shooter, I'd feel really comfortable about him being a starting small forward next season. He's he's close. He's a rotation level forward right now. Um, and if he was a shooter, he'd be like a, he, he, he'd be up there, a special player. Next question comes from PDF normal MSW. That's, at Pete underscore normal who asks, is the best route to avoiding the play-in while dramatically improving the team next year to trade Nurk, Rocco, and possibly CJ for the best draft picks possible before the deadline? Then hope you can package those for an all-star this summer. If no, why not? Um, because of the um, the word hope, <laughs> quite frankly. Um, I think you want vets because um, players... Uh, I'm a players over picks guy. Like I think players, players win you games. Picks keep help you keep your job, um, because you get to you get to 
draft a guy and then he lasts for four years and get to see what he develops into. Like, um, I understand the value of, of draft picks. I understand the sort of like asset accumulation of, of the NBA draft world. But if you're trying to be good with Damian Lillard, you need vets on the team. You don't need a handful of like middle draft picks or even like future draft picks and hoping that you can package that and something else you have for a trade in the summer. Certainly trades in the summer are easier. Teams are like, not every team is going for it in the summer. They're kind of refiguring out what they want to be and draft picks can be more valuable to them because then their specific draft, like if they're, say they're all draft picks for the 2022 draft, it's it's like, hey, we've got 9, 17, and 22. You know, it's like I, the Blazers aren't going to get that probably. But um, certainty allows for teams to to be more comfortable trading because you know what you're getting. Obviously, if those draft picks don't end up in the right spot, the certainty hurts you in the end. But um, I don't think it's the right path forward because of the hope uh, I just think you want vets. If your goal is to be as good as possible with Dame next fall, I think you need NBA players that can help. Um, I think there's a case to be made, load up on draft picks and just go young and say, like, see if Dame and Ant can shepherd in a new era. And like, if you believe in, in Dame being good for several seasons, um, which I don't think is crazy to think he has two more years as like a top 15 player in the league. I do not think that's a crazy thing. Like he can really shoot it when he's healthy. Shooting is a skill that ages. Um, I don't, I don't think that's wild. I think we've, Dame got hurt once and we've aged him 10,000 years. He was so freaking good last year. There's really a very reasonable path for him to be that good again next year. Um, it's why I'm in favor of holding on to him. Um, but I guess it's why some are in favor of trading him because he's, he's going to get worse immediately. He's aging so quickly. Um, like, I think, I think there's a case to be made for Dame and Picks and Ant moving forward, go young, a new era kind of shepherds in a new era and you have like a bridge to the next era. But if you want to be good with Dame, which is I think what Dame wants, you need adults, you need players, you need vets who can play. Not an easy thing to do, but if, if, if that's the route, like if that's the route and it's like dramatically improving the team next year to use your language, PDF normal, um, you need adults to do that. You don't need, you know, teens and 20 year olds to help you get there because for the most part, young players are bad in the league and the hope that picks can let can net you an all-star is no guarantee. And I, I cannot recommend going into the summer with no guarantee. That seems like a way. Do you remember last July and how frustrated Damon Lord seemed? I don't think you want to chance that one again. All right, let's come back in the third segment, answer more of your questions. This glorious special delivery mailbag. But first, let me tell you about Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar that there is. I've been eating Built Bars for years. I love them. Personal favorites are peanut butter, brownie, and, and, uh, and cookies and cream. But they got something for everybody. If you're into the fruity flavors, they got raspberry, they got orange, they got strawberry. If you're into something more like mint brownie or salted caramel or the double chocolate, they got that. If you're into like every, seemingly everyone at the Lockdown Podcast Network into the coconut brownie chunk well that's a limited time flavor so you got to go to built.com and see when it's there and then strike while the getting is good uh, all these bars 17 to 18 grams of protein 130 to 180 calories four to five grams of sugar and only five grams of net carbs all tasty all healthy go get yourself some go to built.com use a promo code locked 15 get 15 percent off your next order that's promo code locked 15 for 15 percent off at built.com Still a pass first point guard. Still Mike Richmond. Still listening to Locked on Blazers. Still cruising through the special delivery mailbag. Our next question comes from Jeff V, who asks, 
who are your favorite TV broadcasters to listen to from opposing teams? So I'm a League Pass guy. Like, I crush League Pass. Um, I probably watch at, at least the end of an NBA game every single night that they're, that I'm here in my home. Um, and if I'm not in my home, when I was at my parents' house for a couple weeks, when you guys saw the different background of my YouTube channel, I was crushing League Pass at their house too. The games just start a little bit different times. Um so I, I have I have opinions about this. So let's just be positive. The ones I truly, truly love. Bulls. Love the Bulls podcast. The combination of the Bulls being really good and fun this year and Adam Amin and Stacey King on the call is as good as it gets. They are fantastic. Adam Amin is, is an, just... He's a young guy. Like, I think he's younger than I am. He is a, a going to be a long-time broadcaster in the world. He is so, so good. He has incredible versatility. Um, just an absolute pro. And Stacey King is fun. He's kind of goofy and wild and bonkers and loves the Bulls. Great duo. Best duo in the game. Um, the Nets with Ein Eagle and Sarah Kustak. Um, Ein Eagle is just an absolute pro. And Sarah Kustak loves the league. Loves the NBA. I love broadcasters that love the NBA, and Sarah Kustak loves the NBA. Uh, great broadcast. Strong recommend for the Nets. Uh, my third favorite is the Hornets broadcast. These aren't really in order, but they kind of are. Hornets broadcast with Eric Collins and Del Curry. Eric Collins is the play-by-play guy that you've probably seen go viral. He yells things like, hum diddly D." Um, he just... He's the perfect synergy for LaMelo Ball's showmanship. He goes nuts. He loves hyper-local North Carolina references. I love hyper-local North Carolina references. Um, there's perfect synergy between me and Eric Collins. He, he's, um, he's been in the game forever. Like He's been in the broadcast world for a very, very long time. He's found a perfect home with the Hornets. He rocks. And Del Curry is good balance of someone who knows the league um, and doesn't get too worked up because Eric Collins is getting worked up. Maybe a bit of an acquired taste, but he's going nuts, and I love his brand of nuts my next favorite broadcast is the Pacers uh Chris Denari and Quinn Buckner Q um they're just really good I, they're just really good they know the league really well um it's a it's a professional broadcast it's fun they have the ability to like be happy about the opponents or or like not happy but like appreciate when the opponent does something cool I hate on a broadcast I dislike on a broadcast when um you know when something awesome happens and the and the broadcasters are like oh bummer it's like no basketball's fun be be have fun if the other team just did a 720 dunk like through a flaming hoop like you could be excited about it you could be excited about it. it's fine uh pacers do a really good job of that um it's just a it's a really good broadcast and finally uh my uh, my fifth favorite broadcast is the knicks um it's mostly because of mike breen like i could just give me give me more mike breen an absolute pro um and i really like clyde frazier um uh, a bit of an acquired taste, incredibly goofy and odd and bizarre, but that duo is just, it's fantastic. Give me like a, like a noon tip off in Madison Square Garden with Breen and Clyde Frazier and I will be extremely happy. Those are my favorites. I'm going to say this though. Um, the Blazers broadcast is straight up one of the best in the league. Uh, the booth of Calabro and Lamar Hurd is one of the best in the league. Calabro is a pro's pro, one of, one of the truly best dudes calling the league. Uh, Golden Pipe's been calling it forever, like, a, a legend in the game and Lamar Hurd loves the NBA like he checks the box he loves it he's excited about it he does a really good job of explaining it like he enjoys the league so if you're watching the Blazers broadcast I want you to appreciate like you are I didn't use them in my top whatever my top league pass teams because they're they're my whatever local feed um but it's really one of the best in the league. It, it absolutely is, um, would be, you know, right here in my top five if I was doing the exercise a little bit differently. Next question comes from John who asks, rank these contracts from least atrocious to most atrocious. 
Uh, it's John Wall, Russell Westbrook, Tobias Harris, Chris Stapsworthingus, Kevin Love, CJ McCollum, and Al Horford. The least atrocious contract is Chris Stapsworthingus, two years remaining for $32 million. He's just been a lot better this year. He started out really slow for him. Um, he... You know, he just didn't, he didn't, it's like one in every four games he brought it. But um, since maybe Christmas-ish, like Chris Stapps has kind of figured it out. 32 million bucks is a lot of money, um, but he's like a borderline all-star. Uh, he won't make it this year, but he's like, he's been, he, he's been good. I'm, a, I'm, I was really down on KP um, and I have grown to appreciate him much more. Uh, Dallas Mavericks were honorable mention. Uh, Three-man booth, which I don't love, but a good broadcast. Uh, then sixth least atrocious is CJ McCollum. Uh, he's, he's like, he, he, he's overpaid probably by 30%, but he's also really good. Um, like he, he provides individual scoring is really valuable. He's, he's really good. Um, fifth least atrocious Kevin Love, two years, 31 million. Kevin Love's like, he contributes on a good team. I think other places, his contract is probably worse than CJ McCollum's, but for like, I'm in context of the Cavs, he is he fits what they want to do. He lets them play a big all the time. And he's like settled into being a role player. He contributes fourth least atrocious is Al Horford. Um, I kind of, I know Al Horford has sucked with the, the Celtics. Like I, I, I am aware, but I still, I still believe, I feel like he was good for the Oklahoma city last year. I feel like in a better situation or just a different situation, he could be good again. Uh, maybe father time caught up with him. Uh, but I, I'm not, I still believe I really, I really, really do. Uh, the third most atrocious contracts is John Wall. I don't know what to do with John Wall. Like he's definitely the best point guard on the Houston Rockets right now. I I'm confident in saying that, uh, he, they're just doing something different and he's not playing. Um, he shouldn't 44 million is a lot for John Wall, it's like a lot. Um, but I think he could like, it's, I mean, it's a bad contract. That's why it's third in the list, but uh, he could help the Rockets. Like he's not like a, he's not a, not an NBA player. Um, Russell Westbrook is the second most atrocious person on this list at two years and 44 million after this season. Yeah. <laughs> he's been terrible this year. He was pretty good at the second half of the season with the Wizards. And I'm, I was kind of waiting for him to have that thing happen with the Rockets too. Like first half of the year, unplayable. Then they kind of figured it out. But they did something really specific to figure out with Houston. The the Wizards last year, they kind of figured it out. And Russell Westbrook was good the second half of the season with Washington. He doesn't fit at all with the Lakers. And he's like real bad. And he is so stubborn that he'll never figure out why he's so bad. One of the worst contracts in the league. And I think really maybe the worst contract in the league is Tobias Harris. He's just paid you know, he's being paid like a max player. And he's even like right now, he's the third best player on the, on the, on Philly. And if Ben Simmons was back, he'd be the fourth best player. Um, that might be rude, but I'm a big Seth Curry and Tyrese Maxey believer. I straight up thinks I, I'm gonna say this right here. I think Seth Curry is better than Tobias Harris. Um, sorry. That, that's maybe a really hot take. Maybe I'm, I'm, I'm perhaps closing this show with one of my hottest takes, but I really do think that's true. I am not a Tobias Harris believer in any way. Um, He's fine. He's, he should make like he should make something like two hundred percent less money. Um, <laughs> should be like a twelve million dollar a year guy because he's good, but he's like a he's a role player who can score. Um, yeah, I, I I'm not a believer. Worst contract on this list. Final question of the show comes from Skateboard C. That's at Thrift Poppy on Twitter who asks if you could bring back any Blazer jersey from the grave for the for the current Blazers, which would it be and why? Okay, there's only two that came to mind. One is the debut jersey in red. It's the it's the 
jersey in red with the script on it. Uh, or excuse me, it's the jersey's white. The, the script is red. I'm, I'm, I'm screwing you up here, but the script is red. It says Portland with that swooping underline. It's what they wore in 1970. Uh, just Google Blazers 1970 jersey. Uh, it, it rocks. It's it's an all-timer. But the one that you bring back is the one that wore, they wore from the championship season in 1977 until 1991. I want to see it in black or in red, preferably in black. It's the all lowercase Blazers with the sash. I mean, that's just the best jersey they ever had. The Blazers have had consistently some of the best jerseys in the league. That's maybe one of the best. I think like maybe like the script Chicago Bulls is like my favorite jersey ever. But um, that jersey is one of the best jerseys of all time in the history of the sport. And they keep kind of bringing it back. But like, just listen, I I know some of y'all who listen to this podcast work for the Portland Trailblazers. I know it. Bring back that jersey. That's what we all want. Tell Nike. I know Nike does it and then you okay it, but like for 25 years, the Blazers had great jerseys. Just do it again. Lowercase font on the front with the sash. Keep it simple. Make a kajillion dollars. Just do it. Just do it. That's a Nike. That was a Nike pun that I ended this with. That is going to do it. That just did it, in fact. For this, uh, this here marvelous mailbag what do i call the special delivery mailbag episode if you want to get involved in a future one at mike g rich on twitter or locked on blazers pod at gmail.com are the two ways to do it we got shows next week um for the eagle eared listener uh this is not an episode that included jason quick he's going to make his return next week lamar heard of the trailblazers broadcasting is going to be on this show next week we're going to have a whole bunch of fun tell your friends make it your first listen every single day make us part of your routine and then tell your friends to do the same if they like the trailblazers they'll like this podcast i'm confident in it thanks for listening appreciate you talk to you soon